to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit providing hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or who are searching for a better way to live. In this series, Parables and Object Lessons, you'll learn how and why Jesus used the physical world to introduce the spiritual world to his disciples and how the laws of nature relate to the Bible. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan with Solutions for Freedom on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Kallenberg. And my name is Susan Kallenberg. And welcome again to Freedom to Choose and our series Parables and Object Lessons. And uh, for reference, this is Parables and Objects Lessons uh, program number seven. And uh, Susan, before we get going, would you like to open with a word of prayer, please? Sure. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for um, another opportunity to look at uh, your word and and your principles of life. And we just pray your son, your spirit to be with us, to guide us and to um, help us to um, see things in a new way. And we thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now, last time we finished up on the parable of the sower, and we, we hope that you enjoyed that. I know I enjoyed studying that and, and looking at uh, the parable of the sower. And then this time we're going to move on to a, a real similar parable, but we're going to notice that it basically has the same terminology, but the, the characters change around a little bit, you know? And this, this is first the blade, then the ear. What's it, what's it based on, Susan? This chapter is based on Mark 4, 26 through 29. Okay, and the, the parable of the sower probably got the people going a bit, you know, because I, I wonder if any of them gathered from that parable that that Christ was not there to establish an earthly kingdom and that he was speaking of the condition of the human heart. And I think that's why Jesus continues on using similar illustrations, maybe looking to turn their thoughts away from the things of this world to the work of you know how God works in your heart. Well, ending and using the things of this world to do it, so that people could understand. You know, nobody ever ran home to act or called a theologian or looked up books to find out how what Jesus was saying. He tried to speak, I think, in the most simplest way for for the people of that day to understand. And they were an agrarian society, mm-hmm. so they dealt with, you know, planting and sowing and reaping and harvesting, and so it made sense to, I think, even the the least educated person that was there. Yeah, and the, and the interesting part about this sowing of the seed and stuff like that is, is even though it's so simple to talk about a sower sowing the seed, it is very complicated oh, yeah. on what happens inside that seed that we don't know, right. you know? Right. That's the amazing thing with a, such a simple thing as plant it in the ground and do your part, mm-hmm. uh, and and he's but it's still a mystery, right? Yeah, and I think that um, that's where you know you can look to nature and you can see all these mysteries, or you know recognize that there's a lot of mysteries that as human beings we can't explain. We take it for granted, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we go to the grocery store and we buy everything, and we don't know what it's like to actually grow and to. To make it grow. Right, and to be a part of that process. Yeah. So this is the um, parable. And he said, so and he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. 
For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Yeah, so now we know that the husbandman who, quote-unquote, puts in the sickle because the harvest has come is Christ, because he'll reap the harvest on the, at the, you know, of the earth at the last day. Right, but the sower of the seed represents all those who labor for Jesus. Um, and he said, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, the seed is said to spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. You see, that's us. We yeah, don't know we how don't know it happens. Yeah. Right. We don't know how it happens, but we just know it does. Right. Jesus himself, he knows how the seed grows. Yeah, we don't. So the sower in the parable is us this time. See, in the last one, it was different. So the sower in the parable is us now. Well, you know, and I think it's interesting because I've always, you know, um, saw two sides of the... Um, two sides to the scripture that says, seek first the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and all these things will be added to you. I think um, maybe in, you know, when I first came to God and started to learn about him, it was like, oh, I need to seek that kingdom for myself because that's what God desires for me to do is to be in his kingdom, so I need to seek it for me. But when you think about a kingdom, what is a kingdom made of? Subjects. Absolutely. And so I think that once you're one to Christ and you're discipled and you grow up and you mature, that the whole goal of seeking the kingdom of God is actually doing that work of the sower and uh-huh. to you know to seeking out other people right. to bring into the kingdom. Yeah. So I yeah. think that's really a, a good um, example of what it means to be the sower of the seed. Yeah. So uh, now Jesus, he knows how the seed grows, but we don't, right? Right. Um. And it's just, I mean, like the other day that this dog got a hold of one of our donkeys, right? Got yes. a hold of Coco, Coco Chanel is the name yes, of the Yes, her name is Coco Chanel. Um, yeah, and, and uh, this dog got a hold of her ear, and it got really, really messed up. And the vet came, and the vet said, what we need to do every day, do a little shave, pull off the dead stu- skin, uh, yeah. um, treat it, and then spray that, what's that silver stuff you put on it? Some it's, kind of like liquid bandage or something? Yeah. And you got to do this every day. Right, right, so you had to go through and you had to scrub off everything that was dead. And, and dying, re, yeah. Right, and re-medicate it and then redress it. Right. And it went kind of against our um, understanding of how wounds, especially I know Rich is being out in the field, it's like duct tape it up and it'll be good to go. Open it, don't touch it for 10 days, and then you look at it. And so I would say, I've got to go, you know, clean her. Why do you keep, you know, let her ear alone? It's like, no, she said I need to keep doing it. Yeah, and so we don't know how it's healing. Right. All, our job is to keep it clean. Right. See, and and that, and this is the thing with, uh, with the, the sower if a man should cast his seed into the ground. He doesn't know how it works. All he knows is he needs to till the soil and throw the seed in the ground. All we knew was to keep the ear clean right. and it would heal. That's right. all we know. We don't know how it heals. Right. Our job is to keep it clean. In addiction recovery, your job is to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. Keep clean what goes in your eyes and your ears. Right. Stay around those people. And what that comes out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth. <laughs> keep it clean. That's right. your job. Right. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna learn a whole lot by reading Playboy magazine, right? But you're nobody gonna, will. Nobody will. Right. Right. But see, and so it, it, that's your job at, at, 
pretty much it's a cooperation with God. Right. Keep and, it clean. Right. And I think that that you do that by um, exercising your will and your power of choice. Right. And God will will cooperate with you in doing he'll the give right you, thing. Yeah. He'll Absolutely. give you the power to to make those choices, providing you step out in faith. You know, because it's a, it's a cooperative effort. Right. You know. Um, yeah, and so what I like about this parable, too, is it shows that God's at work in nature. You know, the seed itself, in itself, has a germinating principle, if you will, principle that somehow God's implanted it, but the seed would have no power to spring up without God. Right. The interesting thing is that man has his part to act in promoting the growth of the grain. He must prepare and uh, enrich the soil and cast in the seed. He must till the fields, but there is beyond. There's a point beyond that in which man is completely powerless. Yep, that's what we're talking about. There's no strength or wisdom of man that can bring forth the living plant from the seed. Man must still depend on God's omnipotent power. There's, you know, I mean, we have to depend on that. Right. There's life in the seed. There's life in the soil. But unless an infinite power is exercised day and night, the seed yields no return. In the Bible times especially, and even today, we need the rain to give the water to the fields and sun for heat, and only then will God call forth the life that he has implanted in his seed. It's those, it's the recipe necessary yeah. for things to happen. Yeah, the right temperature, all that stuff. Every seed grows, every plant develops by the power of God. I mean, you know, we, we can tell uh, when there's a drought year or a good year just simply by how much our hay costs— because if there's a lot of a lot of rain, mm-hmm. then they'll get two cuttings out of the hay, and the hay will be a lot less expensive. But on a drought year, it's hard to find hay, and when you do find it, it's expensive. Right, right. You know, and the other thing too is when it's raining a lot, and we have a good wet year, the air, acorns they sprout, and you get little bitty oak trees all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's kind of neat to watch. You go, wow, we had a wet winter. Look at all these little oak trees. That kind of I don't know, makes Elvis mad because Elvis Elvis is our potbelly pig. And he runs around out in the field, and he loves to eat acorns. That's his uh, life mission. Yeah, yeah. Is to mean, go and find. I think he he protests the fact that we don't feed him. Yeah, he, he thinks we don't feed him enough. So he goes and he's scavengers he, around he to find loves whatever he can. Them acorns. Yeah. Yes. As the earth brings forth her bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth. That's Isaiah 61, 11. Yeah, see, this principle is brought forth in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's nothing new, you know. As it is in the physical sowing of the seed, so it is in the spiritual sowing. Those that bring the gospel, and hopefully that would be us, must be looking to prepare the soil of the heart. We sow the seed, but the power that produces life comes from God alone. You know, there's a point beyond which human effort is in vain. Right. So while we are to share the word, we can't impart the power that will bring the person to life. Nope. In the sharing of the word, there must be a working of an agency way beyond any human power. And it's only through God's spirit that the word will be living and powerful enough to touch that human heart. Yeah. You know, we don't understand it. This is... This is what Christ tried to impress upon his disciples. He taught it was nothing that they possessed in themselves, which would give success to their labors, but that it's the miracle-working power of God which gives power to his word and to set a person right. So that 
in the Bible, t- setting a person right is called justification, right? Yeah. Because that's what it means to be set right, similar to, to those of us who used a typewriter. When you when you hit your return, it would it would write the margin Justify to the right. Justify the margin. Correct. And the same, I guess the same thing in a computer, when yeah. you hit enter— it will justify the margin. It yeah. sets it right, and yeah. that's that's what God wants to do with our brains and our hearts is to set us right. Yeah, because we're some before we're born again, we're set wrong. Right. We're enemies of God. Right. He wants to set us right. New motives, new, new motives, new purposes, new direction. It's not we're not going to be perfect mm-hmm. in regards to uh, every move we make, but we're we're set in a new direction. We're set right. Well, and I think too is sometimes. I mean, you go out through the, through the day, and you got to be set right a whole bunch of uh, times. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's not this. It. I think it's an. That's the ongoing relationship that you have yeah. with Christ is being able to, um, you know, have that experience with Him, so that when self rises up, He's there, and you have a relationship with Him, and you're open to His leading, so you can be once again set right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a constant thing. Right, and yeah. I think that's why you have the communication with them at all times. Yeah, yeah. The work of the sower is a work of faith. Um, you know, the work of, work of uh, sharing the word, sharing the gospel, preaching the word, is a work of faith. Also, we you know we don't understand the mystery of the germination and the growth of the seed, but this is where faith comes in. We have confidence in God's way of causing. Well, we have con- confidence in His way of causing vegetation to grow. We have confidence mm-hmm. in His way of causing. The gospel to grow. Right, and and human hearts to grow. Yeah. So think about this interesting lesson also, that by casting his seed into the ground, the sower, especially in Bible times, was apparently throwing away the precious grain that his family could use to make bread for them to eat. But in reality, he's only give up giving up the present good for a larger return. So he casts the seed away, expecting to gather in a much larger harvest later. So with Christ, so are we, as Christ's servants, are to labor, mm-hmm. expecting a harvest from the seed that we sow. Yeah, yeah. The good say, you know, it's another thing. The good seed may lie unnoticed for quite some time. You know, may may appear on the outside to be a cold, selfish, worldly heart, maybe not even giving any evidence whatsoever that it's taken root. But then sometimes, maybe afterwards, we don't know how it worked. The Spirit of God breathes on the soul. The hidden seed springs up, and at last bears fruit. That's right. You know, we'll never know what becomes from our life, work, and ministry, whether people, you know, how we affect people, because this isn't a question for us to settle. We're supposed to do our work and leave the results to God. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thy hand. There's another Old Testament quote with the same um, message same that message. Jesus had. Yeah. yeah, you know, and we can't tell from the outside if something's germinating inside. I can remember a few weeks ago I, I, there was a tomato it was on the counter, and I, I wanted that tomato. There's mm-hmm. the only one left. Mm-hmm. I grabbed that tomato, and I'd never seen this happen before. I grabbed that tomato, cut it open, and every seed inside had sprouted, and it had little green, almost like a tender stalk shoot, you know, and it, it was like, wow, there's, you know. Life inside the tomato. Yeah, there's 50 <laughs> plants in here. Right. It blew my mind. And on the outside, it I looked was. Just like looked, a tomato. Looked, just right? like you a tomato. Tell. You could not tell. And I think that, that that just hit me right in the face. You can't tell when that seed has been planted, when, whether it's even germinating, what, you know, what's going on. 
Um, I, I think personally, uh, Paul got knocked off his horse right at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, that seed had been planted by Stephen when, when Paul was holding his coat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then and it finally, you know, when he his gets knocked conscience. off his horse, Jesus says, you're, you're having trouble with your conscience, aren't mm-hmm. you, Paul? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the timing was just right. See? And we don't know. I know. And I think that's why God says, you know, don't judge because you don't know a person's heart. And, right. And, you know, God's whole desire is to win everyone to the kingdom. And we're to be, you know, people that have an opportunity to participate in that. And, and uh, you know, by not judging, we give people an opportunity to be free to choose or not to choose. Yeah, yeah. Instead of yeah. trying to force yeah. people. Yeah, Paul, before, before the Damascus Road, was, was coercing and forcing people to believe the way he did. And after the Damascus Road, what did he write? Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Right. A total different attitude, mm-hmm. a total different mindset. Right. Total... It, I'm sorry. It doesn't mean that we don't um, continue to shine that light, but we have to allow everybody to be persuaded in their own mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, Genesis 8:22 says, God's great covenant declares that while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not heast, ye- cease. And the confidence of this promise, the husbandman tills and he sows. You know, there's another Old Testament quote uh, that, that, you know, gets referred to. So, so my, um, my word be that goeth forth from my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. I, Isaiah 55, 11. He, hath, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. That's Psalms 126.6. Right. So we see that message woven throughout the Bible. All through the Bible. Absolutely. The germination of the seed represents the beginning of our spiritual life and the development of the plant is a beautiful figure of Christian growth. It is in nature. It is in, as it is in nature, there can be no life without growth. Yeah. Yeah, the the plant either needs to grow or die, right? I mean, and as its growth is silent and sometimes imperceptible but continuous, so is the development of the Christian life. You know, at every stage of development, um, you know, our life can be perfect. Yet if if God's purpose for us is fulfilled, there will be continual advancement. And uh Sanctif- you know, justification, sanctification. Sanctification is a worth work of a lifetime. So justification means to be set right. Sanctifi- sanctification sim- simply means to be kept right. So we want to be set right and kept right. Right. And it's a work of a lifetime. It's a cooperation with God of a lifetime. Right. Nobody arrives. Yeah. Yeah. And as our opportunities multiply, our experience enlarges and our knowledge increases. We shall become strong to bear more responsibility, and our maturity will be in proportion to our privileges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The plant grows by receiving, you know, what God's provided to sustain it. It sounds, you know, how a plant, if you think about how it works with a plant, it sends down roots into the ground. It drinks up the sunshine, a little dew, little rain. It receives the life-giving properties from the air. In a similar fashion, a Christian is to grow by cooperating with God's divine agencies. This is all God's divine agencies, and they're they're running parallel. Right, because feeling in our helpless our helplessness, we are to improve all the opportunities that are granted to, to us to gain 
a fuller experience. Just like the plant will take root in the soil, so are we to take deep root in Christ. As the plant receives the sunshine, that dew, the rain, we too are supposed to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. The work is to be done not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts at Zechariah 4, 6. Yeah, that's a really good parallel you just brought brought to mind there. In other words, if you know, if we keep our minds fixed on Christ, he will come to us as, and it says in Hosea, as the rain, as the latter and former rain onto the earth, as the sun of righteousness, S-U-N of righteousness, he will rise upon us with healing in his wings. That's Malachi 4.2. We shall grow up as the lily. We shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine, Hosea 14.5-7. Right. By constantly relying upon Christ as our personal Savior, we shall grow up into him and all things who was our head. The wheat develops first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full in the ear. Yeah, it's all a development, you know, and, and, and we have to remember if, if the plant is not growing, then it's dying, right? In the sowing of the seed, of course, the goal of the husband, you know, as the husbandman is the production of the grain. Mm-hmm. You know, he desires, he wants, to, he wants bread for the hungry, he wants seed for future har- harvest. So Jesus, you know, as quote unquote the divine husbandman, looks for a harvest as the reward of his labor and, of course, as a reward of his sacrifice. Christ is seeking to reproduce himself in the hearts of men, you know, and that, I mean, when you see Jesus and how he acted, don't you want to be able to treat people like that? And when he does that, and if we trust him, he's he's a doctor that's never lost a patient that trusted him. Right, because our object in Christian living is to be um, fruit-bearing. Right. You know, we're... Uh, the goal is to have um, Christ's character in us so that we can reproduce in another. The plant doesn't germinate, grow, and bring forth for itself, but it gives seed to the sower to, and the bread to the eater. Right. Isaiah 55, 10. So no man is to live unto himself. So we're supposed to have those fruits of the Spirit right. that are explained in Galatians five twenty two: yeah. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and faithfulness. Right. Yeah. The, all those fruits are... are uh are available to us if we trust the doctor, huh? That's um, right. The, you know, we're in the world as a representative of Christ for for the benefit and the salvations of other people, of other souls. There can be no growth or fruit, fruitfulness in the life that's centered in self, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, our object is, to, you know, object of life is to try to help others. You know, talk of the love of Christ, tell of his goodness, do every duty that presents itself, carry the burdens of souls on your heart, and by every means in your power, seek to save the lost. Right. You know, um, we, if we, that helps us get outside of ourselves, you right. know, if we're worried about someone else and their, and their eternal salvation. Right, because I think that's the great battle that we all have is um, the fear of self and making sure that. Um, we're cared for and we're not taken advantage of. And so when we put ourselves above everybody else, we can think of nobody but ourselves. So what's your thing? By helping, we are... Right. By by being a helper, you are helped. Right. See, that's that's how things work. Right. So the more more you give, the more you get. So if we understand that concept, then the main focus would be to be a helper. Right. I was trying to teach my five-year-old great-nephew to give, and he said, but it's no fun to give. 
But I want it for myself. <laughs> so I realized that we don't maybe, have to teach that. Maybe he was too young for the lesson. Yeah, we don't have to teach that. That's no. interesting. He's yeah, see, we were we were all born that way. We're right. all set wrong. Yeah, he couldn't understand why we were giving things away. Yeah, he we wanted to, to keep set, them. Right. Yeah, we yeah. need to be set right. Yeah, you know, just like that, little children. Yeah, yeah. So then, when you're converted, you're just like a little child again, uh, set right. And, but you've got this old person that's been set got wrong that for battle yeah, with. been set wrong for so many years. Um, about time to wrap it up here, folks. Uh, we uh, if we have a couple of uh, things we can give away, a couple books, a couple resources, uh, just give us a call, 916-645-1297, or you can, uh, you can email us. Just go on our website, uh, www.justasiamministries.com, and uh, we'll get a—you know, we have some books. We have— uh, what do we have? We have Could It Be the Simple, the workbook. It's really good. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really good. Yeah. Okay, well, it's time to go. So remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. There, The other is like everything is a miracle, and you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Do love them? Can I feel his pain and his Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There is truly hope for people whose lives seem to be overrun with problems, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan Collenberg, past addicts, are living testimonials that biblical principles do work. They've authored resources available to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook, Seven Steps to Freedom, or the book, Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. 